All right. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Kelly S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Today's March 8, 2018. Today we're reading from the big book, and we're on page 34. We are on the third paragraph, starting with how then shall we help, and we will read through two paragraphs ending with of what is he thinking, and comments will be on both. So today's readers are for 12 Steps, Tenzin P, 12 Traditions, Kathy R. The readers of the text will be Barbara E, Susan M, and Lynn F. The reference number for Wednesday, March 7th, yesterday, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 11131-11131. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 11133-11133. So, OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, end quote. At a vision for you big book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Tenzin. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P. here. And here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much, and I pass. Thank you, Tenzin P. Next, I will have Kathy R. read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, everybody. This is Kathy R. in the Tampa Bay, Florida area. So glad to be up and with you this morning. These are the 12 traditions of our wonderful program. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Number two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Number three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should remain autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Number five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Number seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special, special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And finally, number 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for this opportunity to do service. Have a great day. Thank you, Kathy R. All right, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we are resuming our study of the big book. 
page 34, third paragraph, how then shall we help? Reading through two paragraphs, ending with, of what is he thinking? And we will be commenting on both. And I will now have Barbara E. begin our reading. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning, Kelly, and thank you so much for allowing me to have this honor to read with you all today. How then shall we help our readers determine to their own satisfaction whether they are one of us? The experiment of quitting for a period of time will be helpful, but we think we can render an even greater service to alcoholic sufferers and perhaps to the medical fraternity. So we shall describe some of the mental states that precede a relapse into drinking, for obviously this is the crux of the problem. What sort of thinking dominates an alcoholic who repeats time after time the desperate experiment of the first drink? Friends who have reasoned with him after a spree, which has brought him to the point of divorce or bankruptcy, are mystified when he walks directly into a saloon. What does he, of what is he thinking? Why does he, excuse me, of what is he thinking? Well, the thing that jumps out to me is, what does he, why does he, of what is he thinking? What forces him to repeat over and over again the desperate experiment of that first strength? I can only speak personally from the inner ear of my heart. I've been dieting for more of my life than I have not been dieting. I was a chubby child growing up, and I became an obese adult with 12 sizes in my closet. What preceded a spree for me? A thought. I've had a stressful day. I'll just stop for a quick fix. A dozen donuts, a Whopper, fries to go with it, and a shake. And I'll be back on the wagon tomorrow. I'll only have a junior Whopper today for a small order of fries. I'll only get half a dozen donuts. No thought at all of the consequence for me of a spree, how I'll feel afterwards. Sometimes no thought at all, a mental blank spot, forgetting the pain, the humiliation, the remorse, the firm resolution to begin again tomorrow, which never ever came because the allergy had forced the craving and the compulsion to consume me to death's door. The warnings of doctors, and I did have them, flew out the window. The admonition of my mother, especially, my husband wouldn't dare say a thing, of my mother that I was killing myself. The inevitability of beginning again, the anger, the inability to stop, not for a month, not for a year, not even for a decade, the sizes that went up in my closet, the isolation, the misery, the withdrawal, the refusal to go back to the group because the group had failed me, not that I had failed me, the refusal to go to an event that I needed to go to, or if I decided to go, I would go on a frenzy of restrictive dieting. I'll try a new one. 
and that frothy emotional appeal that we've referred to, that always got to me. Lose 10 pounds in 10 days. Drink only liquids. Have the cabbage soup diet. The, the, the advertisements. Oprah, I can eat all I want. The Scarsdale diet, eating only protein. Fasting, eat all I can eat on Saturdays and be absolutely stringent during the week. Nothing worked long term. I was great at dieting, great at losing, but nothing Time. helped. Okay, I'll wrap up. I needed a spiritual makeover that came slowly over time. I needed to try on a daily basis to pray for my God to guide me to be the opposite of all the character defects that were so glaring to me. This is the only way that worked for me, and I, I admonish, I ask all of you who are struggling, don't give up on yourself. Don't give up. You are so worth it. Your body is a temple, a church, a mosque. Don't defile it. Thank you so much for the service. I pass. Okay, so now we are going to be opening up the shares for the, the two paragraphs that were read. Who would like to share? Lisa B. Nancy P. Austin. Nancy P. Katie G. Nancy P. Rafa O. Hang on, hang on, hang on. So far I have Lisa B., Nancy T., Julie R., Katie G., Okay. Rowan M. Who? Larry. Rowan. Rowan. Who is it? Rowan M. Rowan M. Yes. Rowan and Larry A. Vasa O. And Vasa O. Okay, let's stop there. So here's my lineup for this time. <clears throat> we have Lisa B, Nancy T, Julie R, Katie G, Rowan M, Larry K, and Vasa O. And if everybody would remute your phone for me, press star one, and we will start out with Lisa B., then followed by Nancy T. Good morning, Lisa. Oh, good morning, Kelly. Thank you for your service. And good morning, everyone. My name is Lisa B. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And um, the line that really jumped out for me is they're identifying the crux of the problem, which is the uh, mental states that precede a relapse. So relapse. That means um, deterioration after a period of improvement. And, you know, the word that really kept jumping out for me is defiance. Um, I am filled with defiance, and I don't want to submit to something that is going to tell me what I need to do and what I shouldn't do. It just It's just the way I'm wired. And, you know, as soon as I start to get a little bit of relief, I think that I'm okay. Um, I am li living in this world of my mind. It's the only world I've known, and I don't know what I don't know. And I don't know that it's, it's, it's a wrong way of thinking, you know, but I don't want to be told that. And the, for me, the only thing that worked is in order to submit is I had to be in enough pain. Pain is going to be the greatest motivator. Food is what's going to bring me to my knees and all of the anguish and for me it was the spiritual and emotional pain much more than anything else um i i really began to see that i could live well into my golden years and beyond 
um, never getting recovered, just being like a, a dead person inside. And, you know, I learned to live, it's a comfort zone. I learned to live like that for so many years that, again, I don't know that I don't know. But when I met someone in whom the problem had been solved and I could hear the confidence and freedom in her voice, I began to believe that this could happen to me. So um, that's really what I just felt led to share, that uh, pain is the only thing that's going to bring me to my knees. And then to stay in that constant state of surrender is a power that's greater than myself, that I don't know. I need to let a higher power live through me, but I need to reach that higher power by doing all the 12 steps and getting abstinent first and then doing those steps so I can hear and see. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Lisa B. Next up is Nancy P., followed by Julie R. Good morning, Nancy. Hi, can I be heard? Yes, you can. Hi, thank you for um, allowing me to share. So I I quickly looked at the um, paragraph before I came onto my car, and um, the whole, the, the, the thing that to me summarizes the whole thing other than the crux of the problem um, is of what was he thinking? And the answer for me was I never thought. I didn't even know how to think. I would be, I would have a bag full of food in my hand and on occasion would have cause to look, you know, see my reflection and I would look at myself and see what I, and hate what I saw and then stop thinking. So there was no way for me to, think my way out of that because I didn't think. It's sort of a, a conundrum in that. And I um, never imagined, ever, ever, ever imagined that I would ever not be there. I, if I wasn't there, I was white-knuckling something. I never had any, any happy, joyous, and free um, freedom from the obsession of the mind. I, 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 I really focused on that in, in my in my daily life today because the the allergy has been removed. And if you had told me six months ago that I would give up things, you know, drill down to the granular level and give up my alcoholic food, to say that would be an understatement, willingly and gladly and joyfully give that up, that would have been a massive understatement. But here I am today completely divorced from that, which, you know, completely just separated from that. And today... I do live a life of happy, joyous, and free, um, a life happy, joyous, and free away from the mental obsession. And the answer for me was I never thought. And, you know, I was at a meeting the other night, and I, I really never, ever, I mean, never, ever thought that I would be able to say this, but every minute of my life is a white, is, I'm in a white light. I just feel like every minute of my life is completely changed. I am a completely, completely different woman, although I have the same life with drastic challenges and, you know, sometimes would have felt in the food that I was being crushed by my own life. And today, I am not trudging the road of happy destiny. I am floating down it, and I just can't thank everybody enough. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. Next up, Julie R., followed by Katie G. Good morning, Julie. Hi. Hi, good morning. This is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. So, you know, what this tells me so much about my story, what sort of thinking dominates a compulsive overeater? Well, for one, it's insanity. And the big book talks about that we're going to be returned to sanity. So my thinking was pure insanity because what type of person 
after a weight gain of 50, 75 pounds, 100, 150 pounds, would think that they could eat a bag of chips and then tomorrow is going to be okay. Who would think that a bite of their kids' french fries would be okay after just gaining 40 pounds in, a, in six weeks? Um, that's how I think. So for one, I don't think like a normal person because I have this two-fold disease. So even though I'm not ingesting food, I could be abstinent for six months, but I haven't addressed that second part, the obsession of the mind. So even though it may not come out all the time, but when it does, it's going to take a hold of me. And it's going to make me do things. Yeah, it makes me do things. I, when I'm in the obsession, I have no choice but to eat. My power, my choice, and my control are gone. I don't even know I'm in the obsession. All I know is to eat, eat, eat. And whoever is in my way, I'm going to knock down. So that's what happens. And then there's that other part where before I get in that obsession, you know, that first thought, when I justify it, oh, I'll start Monday or it's New Year's Eve. I'll eat till 11.59 and then I'll magically not want to eat at midnight. I'm a bright woman. I I have a great job. I I do things in nonprofits. But you know what? I actually thought I could shove cake in my mouth at 11.59 on New Year's Eve. But of course, that never worked because I woke the craving and therefore I couldn't stop. And then when I could stop because some amount of willpower, the obsession of the mind would get me that mental twist. And sometimes I just said, I'm going to eat it. I don't care about the consequences. I hadn't even gotten into the obsession, really. It hadn't grabbed me. But you know what? I, I have no control. Even I mean, there's nothing can stop me once I'm in that state of mind. That obsession of the mind will always drive me back to the food. I have no choice except for the spiritual solution. And I am so grateful that today I am free, totally free. And about three and a half years now, I have not wanted to eat anything. The obsession has been lifted because of these 12 steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Julie R. Next up, we have Katie G, followed by Rowan M. Katie. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, my fellows. This is KG, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic. And yeah, I just want to yeah, yeah, yeah on the previous speaker. Um, you know, the main problem, the crux, it's in my mind, right? So what's happening in my mind right before I pick up? And I hear people say it's denial. It's not denial. It's delusional thinking. It is false, psychotic beliefs because when I am in obsessional thinking right so like I've spent my whole life being uncomfortable in my body KDG is not comfortable in my body so what was my first solution my first solution was food starvation how do I get out of my body and so if I need that if I'm in this pain of I need to be comfortable and you can I can say to myself I'm going to, I don't know, I may never get back to Overeaters Anonymous. And you know what? I don't care because I don't have a God in my mind at that time that's like, hey, Katie, 
psychotic thinking, I'm mystified, what are you doing? Come back over here, go over here. I mean, this is not just like one little thought. What is dominating me? It is a desperate, um, you know, I'm, why, am I, why am I doing it again? And I remember thinking, you know, like eating at Overeaters Anonymous. I don't eat no matter what, no matter what, I don't eat. You know, like I just get so uncomfortable. And that's why the solution to this program, it starts with entire abstinence, not 50, not 90, not 10, not 25, not sloppy, not sort of kind of abstinence, but entire abstinence is a yes, no question. And then the steps, right? Because the steps are what help me get to a point of, Wow, you know, today as a recovered woman, wow, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable right now and I'm not I'm not doing too well. Well, you know what, Katie? You better get to your knees, you better get to God, you better get to the tenth step, you get better see how you are. Because Otherwise, I'm going to end up in that state where I'm going into the video store without my wallet, stealing food, thinking, you know, I, I need this. I deserve this. I have to feel better. And I don't care, like the previous speaker said, I don't care who you are. I don't care if I'm married to you. I don't care if you're the president of the United States. I need to feel better. I need my needs to be met, you know. And um, there's no chapter in the big book called Into Figuring It Out, but this is brilliant because what it helps me remember is that when I'm in that obsession, I have not accepted I am powerless. This isn't about like not getting to step 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This is me saying, you know what? I have power, choice, or control. And thanks be to God that I am not there today. Thank you, God, that I can be one among many today with all of you and say, I am abstinent, I am connected, and I am here to do it one more day, shoulder to shoulder, with all of you. And with that, I do pass. Thank you so much, Katie G. Uh, next up, Rowan M., followed by Larry K. Good morning, Rowan. <clears throat> Good morning. This is Roanne M. from New York, New York, a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, everyone who's shared on the line. So I'm looking at this paragraph and what sort of thinking dominates an alcoholic who repeats time after time the desperate experiment of the first drink. I know for me when I'm in this cycle, there's no thinking. It's the mental blank spot where I never remember what the food did to me. I only remember what the food did for me. It's the built-in forgetter. It's the insanity where I go through the spree, binging and binging and binging, emerging remorseful, always vowing never to do it again. But I keep doing it over and over. And that's the insanity. That's the delusion. And that was my story. And finally, the, re the way that I was able to stop this cycle is that the food stopped having that effect, the effect that Dr. Silkworth talks about. You know, I've heard in the rooms that it works until it stops working. Because for me, I kept having to increase my dosage it stopped doing for me what it used to do for me. And finally, it wasn't doing anything for me except causing me incredible amounts of pain. And then I was asking myself, what am I getting from this except pain? And then I asked myself, is it worth it? 
the amount of pain I was getting from my behavior was higher than the level of discomfort I was feeling from not eating. And that was the only way that I was able to stop. Because if I was still getting the ease and comfort from the food, I would not have been able to stop. But the food, by God's grace, stopped working for me. And I needed a different solution. There was no reasoning with me. I was too stubborn. I had to hit a severe bottom. I was a bathtub gin alcoholic with the food. So there's no why does he of what is he thinking. Not with me. There was no explanation except the insanity that this disease brings upon my mind where I can never, ever play the story till the end because all I can think about is the ease and comfort that I need instantaneously when I put the food in my mouth. And the only way it stopped was when the food stopped doing that for me. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rowan. And next up, Larry Kay, followed by Vasa O. Hey, Larry. Hey, good morning, good morning. Um, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Chicago. Uh, so, you know, the, um, th- this, this entire chapter, this entire chapter that we're reading here um, is important. It, it's critically important to me because it enables us to come to a conclusion of the mind about the mental state that comes before picking up. And, and here's what that looks like. See, all action is preceded by a thought. Any action that we take is preceded by a thought. And here's the danger in that conclusion. If you agree with that, that all action is born in thought, the danger is that many of us are going to try our hardest to change what we think through our own, through our own willpower. And if we don't conclude that we cannot change our own thinking with this obsession, particularly with this obsession, we're never going to embark on these steps with the correct attitude. That's a key with the correct attitude. What if you knew in your heart that without a, a, a new relationship with God, with your higher power, what if you knew to your core that you will never, ever, ever be able to stop? Because you're thinking you will continue to try to change your own thinking and what this chapter is, is what's so paradoxical about this chapter is it's telling me that the, the mental state that comes before I pick up is not under my control. And if you need more proof of that, as many of you will, you're going to go out and continue to prove to yourself that that's not true, that you can come up with a way, that you might even be able to come into OA and work the steps with the wrong attitude and you'll get the wrong result. You have to have the correct attitude. What is the correct attitude? Not a perfect attitude, but the correct attitude is that I am embarking on these steps to change so that I can become unblocked and form a new relationship with the higher power of my own understanding, even if I don't understand what that higher power is, or maybe I don't even believe in that higher power, but that's the purpose of these steps. And if you have the wrong attitude and you pursue it in any other way, here's my opinion and my experience. 
you will never have permanent relief from this. The obsession will never be removed. Now, you may disagree with that, but you couldn't convince me otherwise because I've had bitter experience to the contrary, and I'm not sharing you Larry's opinion. I'm sharing, sharing with you what's in the big book, what the big book drives home. If you pursue these steps with the correct human attitude to form a new relationship with the higher power of your understanding, you will be given new thinking, and new thinking will change how you feel, and those new feelings will allow you to behave in a different way, maybe a way that you, the only thing that will prevent that is bitter, bitter, belligerent denial that it's even possible. Time. With that, I'll pass. Thanks so much. Thanks, Larry Kay. Next up is Vasa O. Good morning, Vasa. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful recovered compulsive Ovita, calling from Florida. And I did not know what I did not know till I came to Overeaters Anonymous. And I've shared before, this was my last hope. And I remember saying, if this doesn't work, I am just going to continue dying and killing myself with the food. So that was my thinking. I was puzzled. I tried. It's not like I didn't try to put the food down. I tried many, many, many times over and over. Like everybody else, I hear the meeting. You know, I can relate. I could identify with everybody. The last stop for me was here, over it as anonymous. I never thought, as I said before, I would ever gonna I was gonna put those alcoholic foods down that were killing me. I didn't even know that was allergy. I didn't know I had a disease. I did not know much about the compulsive the the mental obsession. I had it, but I thought everybody had it. It always brought me back. I dieted. I went to the Weight Watchers, I measured, I weighed, I counted calories, I did everything, and I did take the weight off. And then I went home and I gave myself permission. I did so good, and I went and, cle- I went and started eating from the refrigerator, the cabinets. I felt so bad, I felt so guilty. I went in the bathroom and I threw up. I hated throwing up. But I did it a few times in my lifetime, and I couldn't replace the food. I couldn't buy it. So I just tried to do it by myself, by my my willpower, and it did not work until I came to Overeaters Anonymous. I was ready and I was willing to surrender to the, to a higher power, to the 12 steps, the programs, anybody that was going to help me. I really didn't care who I surrendered. And I did get on my knees in my bathroom, and I did surrender, closed the door, and I said, please, God, please, higher power, help me. I can't do this by myself. I need your help, whatever. And I got that connection. It was like electrical And that was the beginning of my relationship with God, my program, the 12 steps, and that's the only thing that has worked. I needed to put the alcoholic foods down and to have the clarity to work the rest of the steps. And I am so, so grateful. I got my 
time. I'm, I am so grateful it gave me a new life with my food and with life in general. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. So just a reminder, we are um, on page 34 in the big book. We're on third paragraph with How Then Shall We Help? Reading through two paragraphs ending with Of What Is He Thinking? and commenting on both paragraphs. Who would like to share? Michelle M. from Maryland. Ruth H. Helen L. Michelle M. from Maryland. Michelle Elizabeth okay. D. Matt, Matt M. Ruth H. Helen. G. Elizabeth D. Elizabeth D. Patty K. There's one person. Patty or Katie or Patty? Patty. 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 Okay. Okay. Well, let's stop there. Let's see. I have, I have Michelle M. Matt M. Ruth H. Helen. I think it's your initial. Elizabeth D. Patty K. So um, let's press star one to remute, and we'll start with Michelle M. followed by Matt M. Um, good morning. Good morning. Can I share? This is Michelle M. Yes. Yes, Michelle. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Um, this morning when I awoke, I woke with a negative thought, and that's what I wanted to share with you because before I was in recovery. That was a common stance for me to wake up. I don't know if you said the wrong word. I was horizontal at the time. Uh, to wake up with all the anger and frustration and bad feelings that I had from the day before. So this morning when I had a negative thought, um, I started immediately to go into uh, digging myself up. And then suddenly from somewhere, I don't know where it happened, but I assume from my higher power, I had the idea of since everything comes from my higher power, then just like good things come from my higher power, so bad things come. And if it's bad, it can't be bad. There's got to be something good in there. And I took a deep breath and I inhaled. And I hope I was inhaling my higher power and I was exhaling the anxiety and basically asking, please show me what's good about what happened. And the answer was, I had a failure to set boundaries. I did something kind for somebody else last night, and I didn't set boundaries. And because I didn't set boundaries, it impacted on myself and on another person. And my intention then was, I need to make it up to myself because I have to practice self-love. And I also have to make it up to the other person who was hurt by my lack of boundaries. And I stopped thinking about the fact that that the person in effect, who I did kindness to took advantage of me because they didn't return. By the time they should have returned, they should have done blah, blah, blah. That was completely dissipated because I had to take responsibility and see what is my part in it. And I was able to see my part. And then I concentrated on all the good things that my higher power has done for me lately. And they're so beautiful. And I wanted to share that because just because I have a negative thought and I see that as if because I'm living in recovery now over 10 years, I see that as if there was a piece of food in front of me and I was thinking, oh, I'll just have one. A bad thought is as bad as a bad piece of whatever. And if I'm able to dispel that with my higher power's help, I'm able to continue a well-balanced life. And I've heard people say every day I start all over again with step one, two, and three, and I think that in effect that's what I was doing. So and thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. I pass. 
Thank you, Rochelle M. Next up, we have Matt M. Followed by Ruth H. Thank you, Kelly, for your service. Yes, I'm here. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. Composal over here. Uh, it says, um, many, many of us felt we had plenty of character. You know, I thought I had a lot of character. I thought I was a good person. I thought that I had um, all the moral teachings that I was raised with that I was that was going to prevent me from being a compulsive overeater. None of that stuff helped me at all. You know, um, I am a good person. But like I said, it doesn't stop me from being a compulsive overeater. What stops me is the fact that I know my higher power is with me and I will be relieved. If I pray, work the steps, meditate, and stay in contact with my higher power on a daily basis, which I do now. You know, and it's not always easy. There's days where someone said, I have to really set my boundaries of food really hard. Other days are not as tough, but some days it's harder than others, you know, and um, I have to be very vigilant of my thinking, too, as well, because my thinking thinking can come into me, to come into my mind, and I can definitely get off track with that. I really have to watch my, my, my morals every day, too, when it comes to my thinking. You know, because I don't want those thoughts to become action. And uh, thank you, thank, thank you for letting me share with that. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Matt. And next up is Ruth H. Followed by Helen. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks so much. This is Ruth H. Gratefully recovered in Connecticut, and. Um, I'm smiling this morning because like so many in the Northeast, um, my power is out. And when I say that now, I'm out of power. um, This program has given me a power so much greater than the electricity that is not working in my home today. And um, I just. Self or any electric power um, could ever be. So what was I thinking? I used to ponder um, that thought over and over and over. Now I was I was raised to believe that if I worked hard enough, I could do anything. And this worked for me in so many aspects of my life: getting into college, getting the job I wanted, getting promotions and recognition at that job. Um, this worked in my life um, as as. So many have said before, until it didn't, you know, all my hard work, all my best attempts to control my eating, that never kept me out of the food. All the knowledge I gained um, about my eating disorder from from reading self-help books, from going to therapists and health coaches, uh, from even doing a course on an online course on my psychology of eating, they all got me nowhere. Um, I always ended up eventually back into the food. Um, that food, which, which I've learned from you, are, you all, that I always thought was the problem, I now understand was what I was using as my solution. Um, but gratefully, um, because of God and this program and this, and this um, textbook that you're all helping me to understand, as I know it now, I, the problem was my disease, you know, that allergy in my body. Um, that made me crave and crave more and more when I ate certain foods and the mental obsession that kept me back going back to those foods even when um, I I knew um, that they they would harm me. So thankfully, and I really have only been able to say that now as a recovered fellow, um, my problem got so bad that I had to reach out um, and I got to my personal, my personal point of desperation, and um, gratefully God led me here, um, and, and um, um, where I've learned that the only solution uh, for a true compulsive overeater like me is the spiritual solution, finding that power greater than myself who's there for me, you know, regardless if I have electricity or not, and, um, um, and for that I'm just so appreciative. 
Um, and on that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ruth H. Next up is Helen, followed by Elizabeth D. Helen, I didn't get your initial. Helen, are you there? Well, I, I can hear I can somebody. Hear me? Is it Helen? Can you hear me? I can. Helen? Uh, well, Helen? can you hear me? Well, I can hear you, but I guess you can't hear me. I can hear you. Oh, you can? <laughs> yes, I can. Okay. All right, I Helen, what's your good. last initial? L. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. Okay, thanks, everyone. Um, really glad to be here on the meeting today. Some great sharing. Thank you so much to everybody. Um, I, I'm i going to just qualify really quickly because I don't share often, but I've been in um, sort of 12-step food rooms for about eight years now. And, um, you know, I've come to know that my disease, um, there's some real clear issues around my abstinence um, around flour and sugar for me and quantities. Um, but what I have come to know um, after coming to a vision for you about a year and a half ago is that is that this is the only clear way working the steps using this big book. This is the only clear way that helps me because it reminds me day in and day out that this work is ongoing. And um, so being clear on certain foods that are not working for me is one thing. But my challenge over the last three or four years has just simply been food behavior. So that's what I'm going to share from my perspective. After finding, you know, after, you know, releasing 184 pounds at one point, but going back up and down um, ever so slightly, and I'm realizing that I never really lost the obsession with the food. And that's part of the disease for me. And a big part is a willingness to keep working these steps, keep being of service to others, keep coming on this line and um, just having a willingness to figure out what it is that I not only eat, but what I do around food um, that, that helps me to deal with my life issues. And I just, I just think it's so important because this, this, this reading reminded me of relapse and how how it is so sneaky that, you know, food behaviors around for me weighing measuring or what my mind says to me um, in those moments when I'm feeling restless, irritable, and discontented, that this needs work. I need to work on something. And, um, you know, there's some wonderful people who, you know, start initiatives at, you know, as a result of this meeting where, you know, I'm, I've got somebody that I can call whenever I'm feeling restless, irritable, and discontented, and I can figure it out without using food or an addictive food behavior. And so I thank you all for that, and I hope to hear you every day. Thanks very much, Helen L. from Ontario, and I'll pass. Thank you so much, Helen L. Next up is Elizabeth D., followed by Patty K. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. My name is Elizabeth D., um, and I am a recovered 
compulsive overeater in um, snowy Boston area. Um, I'm sitting here wondering what I could possibly add to everything that I've heard this morning, which has been so powerful and so clear um, and such a, a beautiful um, reflection on what I read on page 34 and page 35, which describes me to a T. And so I'm a little humbled. I'm not sure I have much more to add except to say um, something um, that I'd heard a little earlier on the line, and that is, um, of what is he thinking? Well, for me, there was no thought. I, I have a mental illness that makes me delusional when it comes to um, this first the, uh, the, 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 what's happening to me before a relapse if I don't have a higher power. If I don't have a higher power that I'm tethered to every single day, um, my thinking goes off the rails fast. And um, I just want to um, just um, kind of wrap up by saying that in 2012, I, I got a cancer diagnosis and um, I went through um, surgery and chemotherapy, came out the other side, and had a meeting with a, medical, a member of the medical fraternity, my oncologist, who said to me at the time in 2013, you need to keep your weight down, you need to eat good things, you need to exercise, along with taking this medication. Um, and I said, absolutely, and I thought to myself, this is it. I'm no longer going to be in relapse from food. Um, I, am, I am, this experience of being near death has, has cured me. Uh, within six months, I had gained another 75 pounds. So uh, this is not about my thinking. My thinking when it comes to this disease is flawed. And the only solution for me, for this addict, is a spiritual solution and an entire psychic change, which I have been able to have as a result of being entirely 100% black and white abstinent and working these steps on a daily basis um, with the help of all of you and with the help, most importantly, of my higher power. I have a daily reprieve. It's one day at a time because my thinking can still go straight off the rails. Um, so I need the spiritual solution every single day. And it has given me a life that is, I never imagined that I could have. I wake up Bye. every morning. Thank you. I jump out of bed excited about what my higher power has in store for me today. And that's the truth. And I never thought I could have that kind of happiness in my life. And I do today. And I pass. Thank you, Elizabeth D. Next up, Patty Kay. Good morning, this is Patty Kay in Florida. Um, I need to hear this. This is a cunning, baffling, powerful disease. I mean to tell you, when I go to binge, and I did this just yesterday, I think of every reason that I need to not binge. I need to pray. I need to call someone. I need to do this. And I don't do any of it. And it makes me insane. Yesterday I did pray about it, and before I could binge, something else came up that kept me from binging, which was like a light went on, you know, like, okay, 
All right. Okay. All I have to do is pray. Um, do this one day at a time. It makes me crazy. I weigh and measure my food. I do everything. Um, I'm lying. Patty, are you there? We lost you. Patty, star one. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I'm in a horrible uh, area for cell phones. Anyway, um, I don't know what you heard, but anyway, I need to get a sponsor. I need to do the next right thing because I'm on the outskirts looking in and Apparently, that's not working like it was. It did at first, but now I know better, and I guess I just need to be accountable and say it out loud that um, I I need to make phone calls. Instead of just thinking about making phone calls, I need to pick up the phone and make them. Um, I know this program works. I hear it from people on these lines. I'm so glad to have (laughs) finally picked up the phone. I heard about this like a year ago, and I'm glad I finally picked up the phone to um, listen to how other people do it because I can't do it alone. And when I screw up, I think I'm the worst person in the world. Um, so I need to change my way of thinking. And one way to do that is to is to keep coming back and to start making phone calls and to talk to other people. So I'm going to keep coming back. Thanks. I pass. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Patty Kay. Um, well, this is Kelly S. in Oklahoma, and I'm just going to take these last couple minutes to share Um so how can we describe some of the mental states that precede a relapse into drinking? So obviously, that is the crux of the problem. And I didn't understand that was the crux of the problem, which, you know, the dictionary says that's decisive or most important point at issue. I spent 30-something years looking for the perfect food plan, the perfect sponsor, the perfect meeting, the perfect retreat, perfect convention, you name it. I found something to fix me. Now, I will tell you. The, the perfect food plan has been very important. I have to put the plug in the jug, and as it says, you know, we have a physical allergy, and if I don't start there, I can't do anything else. But the big book also says that the mental obsession is the greater aspect of the disease. And so even once I put the food down, which is huge, 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 I will be driven back into the food, you know, if I don't, you know, work on this mental obsession because there is no describing it. There's no explaining it. It's insanity. You know, as everybody else shared, I can't add to that. Oh my God, I was driven. I had to eat. It didn't matter. I didn't even think, you know, that's what, how do you describe it? It's indescribable, you know? And so, you know, one of the things was, you know, I would put this food down and then I'd start trying to do life and didn't understand that, you know, I had to address the crux of the problem. And and how do you do that? I was powerless over that. So what I didn't understand is that where that's where my higher power and the steps came into action. You know, I remember years ago hearing a uh, an AA priest that does, you know he's kind of on the circuit and he would share that the worst place you could be is at step one and not move on the steps, which was me. Poor me, I'm powerless. Poor me, I can't stop eating and I just keep eating. What am I supposed to do? I'm powerless. And that's when he said, you know, it's so important at that point to immediately work the rest of the steps. Of course, I didn't do it at that time, but I always remember him saying that, you know, so it's like I have to put the food down first, but then I immediately have to pick up the steps. I immediately have to use the tools and get through those steps with you guys in a higher power. And that was the thing, or else I'm going to be driven back and I'm going to be driven back to pick up that next bite. And then as you guys know, that phenomenon of craving sets in and then there goes that cycle again. And I'm back into that physical allergy and that's all I focus on is I got to find the perfect food plan, the perfect whatever. But you know what? Today, 
um, almost three years, finally, thank you, God, and vision for you and this 12-step program, I've learned to put the food down. I weigh and measure, stay away from my foods. I work these steps. I spend time daily because it says we only have a daily daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition, which is the steps in this program and you guys. And with that, I will pass, and we will close our meeting. And where are we here? Okay. Thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. So our share ID for this meeting today, March 1st, oh wait, this isn't March 1st, uh, it's March 8th, 8th, is 11135, 11135. So we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Susan M. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, everyone. My name is Susan M., recovered in Oklahoma. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.